Good morning, good morning. So today, we're going to be talking uh, right, Walking in Righteousness, Part 3. Uh, we are in Part 3. <clears throat> I'm not sure what the title is on this one yet. We'll figure that out as we go. Jesus is awesome. So, let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for this message and for your word, Lord, and, uh, and for how your word changes us. <clears throat> and Father, how, how Jesus Christ uh, revolutionizes what happens in our, in our hearts and creates us um, in us this ability to love. So thank you, Father, for your perfect revelation and, Father, for your word um, to go into men's hearts and to change and flip the world upside down. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. So, you know, last time we were talking, we were talking about our um, about righteousness and and how anytime we <clears throat> look to ourselves, we look to ourselves for our righteousness, whether or not we're doing good or whether or not we're doing bad. That according to Galatians, we can actually fall from grace. The reason why is because we submit ourselves to the law again, uh, and the Bible says it's a yoke. Of slavery, when we submit to the to the law, we submit to a, lo- a yoke of slavery again. And so, when we say, "Man, I'm doing really good," and we think we're better than everybody else, or whatever, or I'm so glad I'm not like so and so over there, um, then the Bible says that. Um, and, and and check this out too. I want you to think about this. Your reputation, reputation has to do with law. Okay, it has to do with being compared. A lot of times, when we're concerned about our reputation. The reason why we're concerned about our reputation is because we're comparing ourselves to other people. Okay, Reputation has everything to do with comparing ourselves to other people. Well, when you do that, you submit yourself to the law. And here's, I'm going to explain that. The scripture talks about when Adam was um, being found by God. He says, where are you at? And he goes, I hid because I was naked. He's being exposed. Reputation has to, has to do with um, being exposed or should I say not being exposed. Nobody wants to be exposed. Nobody likes being exposed. This is why it's so important. Um, and, and when people are afraid of being exposed, they're hanging on, they're hanging on to self-righteousness. Okay? They're hanging on to what they believe about themselves. Okay? And, and it's kind of weird. I mean, thank you, Father, for giving us clarity on this. Hanging on to self-righteousness. And what people do is they have this, let me get this, sorry. They have a self-righteousness. Like they, the Bible says that every they do, they did what was right in their own eyes, okay? Or they, they did what was right uh, uh, what, according to a man. It says in the book of uh, in the book of Judges, it says everyone did what was seemed right to, the, to the, in their own eyes, okay? Or what was right to a man? What, oh, what seems right to a man? It talks about um, it talks about how people think that righteousness is what seems right to a man, but sometimes that doesn't have anything to do with righteousness. It just has to do with our own righteousness. Does that make sense? We're talking about reputation here. We're talking about not being exposed. We're talking about hanging on to your own uh, opinion about yourself. Okay? Your opinion about yourself. Okay? And the reason why I say this is because when the Pharisees would go out and pray, they'd pray and they'd say, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner over there. Okay? Um, and they were hinging on the law. Okay? So, <clears throat> I'm talking about reputation here because we're afraid a lot of times for our reputation to be exposed or to be um, destroyed, I should say. Um, and so you talk about submitting to the, uh, there's some, I have a thought here. I'm sorry. I'm, it's, it's coming to me and I'm trying, the Lord has been showing me that our reputation has to do with submitting to the law again. 
okay? When we're worried about our reputation, okay? We shouldn't be worried about our reputation anymore. Our reputation sucks. Our reputation stinks, you know? We, we need to submit to God because His reputation is the one we inherit, you know? And, and that's where our righteousness comes from, man. Our righteousness doesn't come from our reputation, but it comes from our reputation in Christ. You know, when, and go back to Adam. When Adam was being exposed in the garden, he would hide behind the bush, and whenever he was being exposed, he didn't like that, so he hid again, but this time he hid behind the woman. And he said, well, that woman, look at her. Look what she did. You know, and so he never allowed himself to be exposed. Again, he's submitting himself to a law, his own law. He's submitting himself to his own law um, in his own heart, what he thought was right. You see what I'm saying? Or I was wronged. You know, everybody has a sense of law. Everybody has a sense of law inside their heart. And that's why the Bible says, do not judge lest you be judged. Okay? And it's not saying don't ever judge. It's saying don't judge other people lest you be judged. It's saying in the same measure that you judge others, you will be judged. Okay? So we have this sense of law. And what happens is when somebody offends us, we get angry. Okay? Angry is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that tells us something. Okay? Anger tells you that something's wrong. Something happened that you don't like. Your, the, your justice system inside your heart's been violated. Right? Oh, they took that from me. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Oh, they took that toy from me. Or, like my brother said, you know, my, my, when you're a little kid, you know, he took my toy! Right? There's a justice system going on here. You know? And most times, nobody has the higher standard of justice system. They just use their own justice system. But somehow, they, they keep on breaking this justice system. Um, nobody can really explain this be better than uh, uh, C.S. Lewis in his book called Mere Christianity. He talks about how, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're an intellectual person and you really like to read, um, and you're, uh, you're like mind candy, just go read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It's pretty good when it comes to your 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 sense of law on the inside of you and how we get angry about things that happen to us. Okay? Alright, so we look to ourselves for our righteousness. And that's 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 what the problem is. It's that self righteousness. You know? Um, when we look to ourselves, when re reputation has to do with um, looking to yourself. I wrote it right here. Looking to yourself. Looking to your own righteousness. Look how look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. You see what I'm saying? And that has to do with pride. A lot of times it leads to pride. I'm not saying that um, you're not supposed to have a good reputation. Actually, the Bible says in the New Testament, it says that a leader of the church needs to be reputable. He has to be in good standing with the community. But reputation doesn't mean that you just tell everybody what they want to hear. It just means, does that make sense? It's kind of like honoring your mother and father. Okay, so let's say that um, you've honored your mother and father, and let's say you're a Muslim, right? The Bible says, honor your mother and father, right? So am I supposed to just do what my mom and dad tell me to if I find out about Jesus? See what I'm saying? So honoring your mother and father is deeper than just obeying. Honoring your mother and father is bringing a good name upon them. You see what I'm saying? Well, reputation has to do with men's wisdom. Honor has to do with God's wisdom. Okay? We honor our parents because, honestly, if they knew any better, they would want their kids to know God and Christ. You know what I mean? In the right way. You know what I mean? They would want their kids to know the truth and follow the truth. That brings honor to them, even if they don't agree with what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of weird. The reputation, a lot of times, has to do with men's wisdom. 
It doesn't have to do with God's wisdom. But, but in the same sense, you know, if the world was following God, you need to be reputable. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's, it's kind of weird because this is one of those paradox things. We, I mean, we're going to get this all the time. Reputation, man. According to the world, man, everybody's going to hate us. So they may not like us at all. But there's, a, there's still a level where, I mean, there was, a, there was a time in America, man, where a good man, even if people didn't like, even if people were living for, for sin, they would look at a priest or a, a preacher and they would honor that man. You know what I'm saying? Even if they disagreed with him or they felt convicted about their sin, you know what I'm saying, when they came around this guy because he's a preacher. Well, I don't want to act like that because I'm around the preacher. So there was a time in our country when that was actually like a legitimate thing. Like people actually would respect this office. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, now we've gotten to the point where they don't really. I almost hate the office, you know, but that's because of love of the world. But my point is, why? Because they, because people, even though they were in sin, they recognized good character. See what I'm saying? And you know what? No matter how evil you get, you still recognize good character. Sometimes you respect it. Sometimes you just resent it. But you still recognize good character. That's what it means to be reputable. Reputable mean, doesn't mean everybody likes you. Reputable, true rep, reputation, true good reputation in God's reputation may even be that they're going to stone you. You see what I'm saying? Because they recognize God's goodness inside your life. Does that make sense? So reputation, there's two sides of reputation. There's God's reputation and then men's reputation. There's God's wisdom and then man's wisdom. You know, and pleasing God and pleasing men. Sometimes pleasing God will make the men upset. You know. So anyway, we're talking about reputation. I don't know why we're getting on that necessarily, but I think that's Holy Spirit, so... I think that's enough on that, though. But you see, if you don't have the right reputation, if you if your if your reputation is with the world and worldly things, I should say worldly things and desires versus godly things and desires. All right, your reputation needs to fall over here, and these people might hate you for it, but you'll still be reputable. You see what I'm saying? kind of weird but but we're also this peculiar people you're peculiar people you know <laughs> you stand out like a sore thumb reputation having a good reputation doesn't mean that you just fit with everybody and make everybody happy it just means that you bring honor to god and you fear god and you don't fear men but you fear god all right that's that was kind of a i don't know why we talked about that god is good <clears throat> um all right so check this out when we start living a righteous life, um, when we start letting the seed of God come into our heart, we become radically changed. Radically changed, okay? And we're going to be talking about how you, you progress in this. At first, you know, you, you, you're in the middle of sin, and you're like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I don't desire sin anymore, right? And, you know, so people are like, man, I don't want to think about that anymore. I don't want to think about, I don't want to do that anymore. All right. Well, the only way you can do that is if you refocus, refocus. Okay. You have to refocus. That's the renewing of your mind. We talked about in the, in the past time, you have your body, soul, and spirit born again here, set free, hundred percent done over here is where the refocus is. It's the renewal, the renewal of the mind. Okay. And so, 
what we do is, man, I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to sin anymore. And so, uh, I've heard this taught before. You know, a lot of times you'll see, um, you'll say, hey, how do you stop sinning? Well, number one, you don't think about it. Well, think about this. So, let's say I told you, don't think about pink elephants. Well, I can't help you now. Now everyone has thought about a pink elephant. You see what I'm saying? Because I kept saying, hey, don't think about pink elephants. 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 And that's what we do with sin all the time. Don't think about uh, my addiction. Don't think about pornography. Don't think about... And then we're trying so hard not to sin that we end up sinning anyway because we're not really renewing our mind. You see what I'm saying? When if we say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, we end up thinking about it. And whatever you dwell on is what you do. Okay? So we have to have a refocus. All right? You have to have a refocus. It means you play a different game. You know? If I'm playing baseball, you know, and I go and I start playing basketball, I'm not thinking about striking out anymore. See what I'm saying? <laughs> I change the games. The rules are totally different. Uh, and that's what we do. A lot of times, you know, uh, we stay in the baseball diamond and we're trying to play basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or we we or we we now have a basketball jersey on, ready to play basketball, but we just keep staying on the diamond field. You know what I mean? And all we can think about is not striking out. And we're not even playing that game anymore. <laughs> we're not even playing the sin game anymore. When you enter into a new reality, you're you've entered into a new life, like a, you're a new creation now. The game's changed, new rules. You know, we gotta stop trying to strike out. We gotta start living right. There's difference. You know, my focus is no longer on not sinning. It's now living righteous. See what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not a sinner anymore. I am the righteousness of God. I'm playing a different game. Okay? It's pretty cool. Um, so we're getting away from not just sinning, but actually living like Christ in love. It begins with truly understanding how much the Father loves you. So, again, we now have a reconditioning. So, as we, first of all, you have to open up. You know, and that's whenever you are exposed, right? We talked about that a second ago, about the reputation. People who are too worried about their reputation can never get set free in Christ. You've got to expose yourself or you won't get set free in Christ. Got to expose yourself. Got to expose yourself. Whenever you expose yourself, that's called humility, okay? This is the answer to life, okay? Jesus was the picture of humility. It's the answer to life. When you're humble, God will exalt you. So we humble ourselves, we confess. So check this out. Um, it has to do with understanding how much you are loved. You have to understand how much you are loved. The only way you can do that is to humble yourself. When you humble yourself, God restores you. And then you start hearing things from God. You start to hear the voice of God and you start to really understand it. Okay? But as long as we're worried about reputation and we don't expose ourselves, we're like a Pharisee. So here's a perfect picture of someone who has humbled themselves before God and forgotten about their reputation. They're not worried about their reputation anymore. They're more concerned about their reputation with Christ versus somebody who keeps holding on to their reputation, has fallen away from grace because they keep on submitting to the law in their heart. Okay? Perfect illustration. Luke chapter 7, uh, verse 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet 
Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. <laughs> I have something to say to you. <laughs> All right, so here's what the reputation guy wants. He wants to point out everybody else's sin so he looks better. See what I'm saying? But it's not just that. It's like a witch hunt, man. Um, and and we get if we're not careful, man, we do the same thing. We get into this witch hunt where we're like looking for false prophets or whatever. You know what I mean? That's dangerous. You know what I mean? Because we're I don't know why. It's just weird. We we gotta get we gotta be careful with the witch hunting. This uh, comes from offense in the church, and you know we have to learn how to deal with that. But right here, he's actually he's he's uh he's comparing himself to this lady. And he wants to point out her sin. And the problem is she already knows about her sin. You see what I'm saying? This woman, she has already humbled herself. She has a recon she recognized her sin long before Simon did. Okay? Now that's important. Because if you ever want to be restored by God, you have to recognize your sin long before anybody else does. And and man, if we're if we ever see our man. We've got to always see ourselves on that woman's side where she's where she sees her sin. But so many times we want everybody else to see their sin. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially in our relationships. We're like, I wish this person would see what they're doing wrong to me. You know? Man, that's you've you've submitted yourself to the law again, you've fallen from grace. <laughs> you know? We've got to start loving people so much that they recognize their sin. If you love people enough, they would just start recognizing their sin. You know, it's the truth, man. Here's what happens. You turn the light on, you see the dust. You know what I'm saying? Love is the light. Now, sometimes love tells you something you don't want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And that's the truth. But for the most part, true love is a light. And when people come around that love, they want to change. They want to change. You see what I'm saying? Because they recognize their own flaws right away. Does that make sense? All right, so check this out. So he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he answers, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered in your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she was, has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has stopped, not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right, this is so cool. So first of all, he says right here, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. So it's um, here's the thing. She recognizes it, man. This is, and if we're not like this woman, man, we gotta, we, we've got to check our heart. You know? This is, this is a woman that's broken. 
But she's not broken anymore because of her sin. She's broken because of the love of God. Okay? There's two bro there's two brokennesses. Sometimes people are broken in their sin, and they just do the feel. But then there's people that actually experience the love of God, and it just breaks them even more. You know? That's where we got to get, man. When we recognize the love of the Father, and it breaks us. This woman was broken. And she had many sins. And she recognized it. Now, a lot of times when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, they'd say, you know, you're blind. And he goes, they said, you say we're blind? And he goes, because you say you can see, you are blind. Okay? So what happens is, they weren't seeing. They were blind. You know? But they said that they could see. So their arrogance, okay, and their lack of humility, lack of, their lack of humility actually exempted them from receiving salvation. You see what I'm saying? Because they thought they already had it all together. And they never recognized um, their sin. So when Jesus is talking, first of all, so the question is, whenever he says right here, she who has been forgiven much, you know, loves much, right? For she has loved much, right? So what people think a lot of times is they think, well, obviously Simon didn't have a lot of sin because he doesn't love very much. <laughs> That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying they have been forgiven. See, Simon had plenty of sin. He has plenty of sin. He's just not forgiven. He has plenty of sin, but he just isn't forgiven. Yet, yeah, right? And he doesn't recognize, and the reason why he's not forgiven is because he doesn't recognize his sin. He doesn't think he has anything to be forgiven of. You see what I mean? But if he could see, wow, I got that much to be forgiven, he would love just as much as she did. Because James says, the book of James says, if you break even one commandment, you've broken them all. So if Simon's even broken one commandment, then he's just as sinful as the woman. You see what I'm saying? It has to do with the heart. The woman recognized her sin. Simon didn't recognize her sin. So here's the thing. You want to know why Christians don't go out and preach the gospel? First of all, because they don't love. If Amen. you love people, you will overcome your fear and go preach the gospel. Amen. So do you know why Christians don't go love? Because they don't know how much they've been forgiven. Why? Because they're self-righteous. Well, I grew up at church all my life, right? Or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Now, this might hit some people real hard, especially if you're in the church. People are self-righteous, man. Now, we're not supposed to just go bash them. We're just supposed to help them get up off their butt and go preach the gospel. That's why we're doing this, you know? Not just to bash somebody. We're trying to get people to recognize their sin, you know? If the self-righteous person, they can repent too. You see what I'm saying? But what happens is people get comfortable in the church and they think they're doing enough by coming to church and sitting on a pew and singing praises of God. Look, I did my Christian duty for the week. I'm checking out now. I'll see you next week. But six days of the week, I'm going to live like the devil. You know? If Jesus is in our heart, he'll change us. Not just once a week. Amen. You know? If Jesus is really in our hearts, then we'll understand how much we've been forgiven. And then we will love. Now watch this. It's so cool. Why do we love? Because we're righteous. The Bible says that Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment, right? Or the, the Pharisee comes up to Jesus and says, what's the greatest, greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is telling this, 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 law, uh, this lawyer that these are the two greatest commandments. And he says, the entire law hinges on these two. So wouldn't it make sense that if you were made righteous, you would start to fulfill the law? 
And if the true fulfillment of the law is to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your, all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself, that if you are now the righteousness of God, that you would not actually start to exemplify this love, which fulfills the whole law, which is why you're so righteous. Do you see what I'm saying? You start to look like Jesus. Like, man, that's so cool. When you become a new creation, the Bible talks about how we are being made into the image of Christ. It's so awesome. We're being made into his image. We look more like love every day. First John, I believe, says that God is love. And we're being made into his image. Second Peter says that we are partakers in the divine nature. And God is love. This is where it takes us to, you know? So we're not even thinking about not sinning anymore. We're just thinking about how much can I love? If I'm so concerned about love and loving people and loving the world, not loving the world like its desires and evil, right? But loving the world for Jesus. See, that's another paradox. Don't love the world, but love the world. <laughs> right? Don't love the world and its desires and what it can offer you, but love the world and what you can offer it. The gospel. Man, if we're, if we're so focused on this, we will not have any fear. Fear always leads to sin. Fear of man. Fear of God actually is the beginning of wisdom. But with, listen, if we have love, we have not fear. We have love, we have not fear. It's so good, man. It's just like if your child was out in the middle of the street and a car was coming, love would conquer your fear and you would run out there and get the child even if it meant losing your life. That's what love is. The entire law hinges on it. Jesus makes you be able to love. You can't love until he loved you first. The Bible says, he loved me, therefore I love. It's so good stuff. Yeah. When you see that someone really loves others, I'm going to read what I wrote here, you will know that they must have been forgiven much. There is no true distinction between Simon and the woman. Both have a debt, and both need to be forgiven. The difference is that the woman knew how much she was forgiven, and Simon didn't. The revelation of how much you are forgiven will actually cause a mind-altering thinking. This will cause you to love others unconditionally. Why? Because Jesus loved you unconditionally. You can only give what you got. So whenever you receive God's love, you give God's love. If you received a conditional love, then you're going to give a conditional love. If you received a conditional love, then the truth is you don't understand the gospel. Amen. Which means you probably didn't receive the gospel. This is why, this is why Paul says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's the mind. Renewing the mind. The love that we have for him will change the entire course of our life. 1 John says, 1 John 2, verse 1 through 6, Now, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. This is so cool. <laughs> so you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now that's kind of like, wait, are we going back to law again? Right? Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. <laughs> Woo! That's hard. Like, what? Like, wait a minute, I thought we just got away from the law. So we're just going to keep going, right? And the truth is, not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Uh, no. Woo! Alright, so he's, we're keeping the commandments. How? Because of the love of God has been perfected in us. It's no longer because of my ability to keep the law. It's because of the Christ that lives inside of me that gives me this supernatural love. And the love of God is perfected in me. Therefore, I'm able to keep his commandments. Why? Because I have the love of the Father. Not the love of Zach. Because the love of Zach falls short every time. But the love of the Father 
will cause me to pursue God with all my heart and I'll be able to keep his commandments. All right, so let's keep on going. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he, Jesus, walked. Now that's crazy. Okay, so, okay, how did Jesus walk, man? He walked in love. He walked in miracles. You know? We walk in the same... Just look at Jesus and the way he's walking. That's the way you should be walking. You should be walking and talking like Jesus. If you're not walking and talking like Jesus, you need to be perfected in love. Man, that's good. We need to be perfected in love. The more we are perfected... That's so cool. The, 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 the word perfected implies that you haven't arrived yet. It means that you're being made perfect. It's a process. You're perfected in love. It's not saying that you're not perfect in love. You're being perfected in love. That makes sense? So that means a process. So we continually learn how I can keep his commandments, how I can walk the way that Jesus walked. It all leads to love. Verse 7, Behold, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Man, I wrote here, we're talking about a love affair. Either we love Jesus and all that he stands for, which is forgiveness of sins and restoration of the lost and the binding up of the broken, basically the gospel, or we love the world and what it has for us. We, we can have all the knowledge of the word of God, but still have love of the world, okay? Which is where we lose the power. We rest in our knowledge or the law, and then we fall from grace because we have not love from Jesus Christ. So, in the same passage here, in 1 John, do not, it says in verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Man, that's hard. I'm going to say that again. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ah, that's so hard. Jesus, help us, man. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Verse uh, John chapter 14. We already talked about this. The, the entire law is hinged on love. So loving the world or loving God. So it's actually giving us a key here how we can walk in righteousness. If we love God with all of our heart, we'll walk in righteousness. It's kind of crazy. Watch this. John chapter 14. He really puts a, a scary thing here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is verse 15. <laughs> and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Thank you, Jesus, because I need some help with this verse. <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All right, so I had somebody tell me one time, if, if I don't do, if I stop doing this, or you're, he goes, because I read that verse, right? He just got offended at the verse. He got offended at Jesus, right? I said, I read this verse to him, and he goes, Are you telling me that if I don't stop doing this over here, that God's going to stop loving me? I'm like, no, God's love's not in question. The only one who's question is your own love, okay? God never, God died for us while we were still sinners. You see what I'm saying? This is the balance of the scripture. God loved us while we were still sinners. He died for us. So no, God's love's not in question. It has nothing to do whether or not God loves you or not. It's whether we love God, okay? 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So he's saying, you're going to keep my commandments, but you're going to need some help. Amen. That's awesome. So awesome. That's mercy, man. Woo. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It's verse 23. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. Now, Jesus is even saying, if you got mad at me just now, that's not even me talking. That's a father talking. He just, he just upped it up. He said, that's not me talking. That's a father talking. He said, that's crazy. Whoever does not love me. And the word that I say that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. But I just, that's, golly, Jesus. That's so funny. Verse 25, these things have spoken, I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We cannot do this in and of ourselves. It's not possible. We need the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says that if we'll set our mind on the things of the Spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you just saw what I just, now again, we're talking about baseball, basketball, right? If, we, if we're playing basketball now, we don't have to worry about striking out. Okay? So check this out. The Holy Spirit is the new game. If I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see what I mean? We, we're switching games here. I'm now walking walk a spiritual life, not a fleshly life. And I have to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. It's about bringing your body into subjection. Because your body is now a slave. Your body is a slave to the mind. So if the mind is set on the things of the, of the world, then your body is going to do it. Your body already wants to do it. But we got to put a bridle in that horse, and we got to tame it, and then the, the Spirit of God has to be running this, the mind of you so that you can put into subjection the body. You see what I mean? The body is sinful, but the mind is between. That's why it talks about being double-minded, man. I do the things I do not want to do, but I, you see what I mean? Being double-minded. Why? Because you have this body, and you have this spirit, and you have this soul which is your mind and so he's double-minded he gets double-minded he's like but i want to do this but i but i want to do this it says that the the spirit and the body are at war with each other you know and they contradict each other so we have to set our mind on the things of the spirit so we can put the body into subjection all right it's a slave john 15 says i am the true vine it says so I, we can't do it by ourselves we we need help this is why we need the gospel Again, if we get back down to our own might, because if we go up to these scriptures and says, He who loves me keeps my commandments, and we think that we can do it in and of ourselves, we still miss the gospel. See what I mean? He's saying, if you love me, you'll do the things I commanded you to. All right, well, how am I going to do that? I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit, be spirit-driven, let my body be put into subjection. I can't do it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit. I need help. I need help. That's why I got here in a, in a space I'm at in the first place because I'm a screw-up. I need help. See what I'm saying? It's not saying... That, does that make sense? Yeah, what I'm saying? <clears throat> John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, He prunes. That's so good. That's so good, man. He prunes us, man. He prunes us. This is a process. That, he may, that they may bear more fruit. Okay? Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. That's so good. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So if we're like, so that's what makes you righteous, man. A sign of righteousness is your fruit. And Jesus is saying, if you love me, obey my commands. But you're not going to be able to do it without me. You're going to you're going to need me. You see you see the balance here. We're talking about it's it's crazy. Okay? But it, here's the thing. Faith without works is dead. This is the main point of this, man. Faith without works is dead. Now, it's not saying a works-based faith. It's a faith-based work. Okay? It's not a works-based faith. The Ephesians says that. It's not of your own self, right? Lest any man should boast. But it says that in Christ, though, He's now made us new so that we can we can do the good works that he has planned for us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Oh, amen, amen. Sorry, I'm, I'm, that's the King James, lest, lest anyone. <laughs> for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, that's so cool, man. So your faith is not dependent on your works, but your works are dependent on your faith. It's good. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. You came into Christ not because of your works, but now that you're in Christ, you're going to have some works. Okay? And it's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of your own works, but no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. He's working on us to make us, created in Christ, to make us new, created in Christ for good works. He, the whole intention of you coming to Christ was so you could stop sinning and start doing good works. Mm -hmm. If you got saved just so you could continue to sin, you're not saved. <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed. I shouldn't laugh. That's not good. A lot of people are going to hell because of that. For real. You received a false gospel. Let's put it that way. You were, if you got saved so you could get your ticket in heaven and keep living the way you want to live, you didn't follow Jesus, because Jesus says you have to die to yourself. You are not following the right Jesus. You are following a false God. It's a false gospel. It's a false message. And there's a lot of people going to hell because they don't know this. When we start following Jesus, that means we die to ourselves, we are created a new creation, and we start doing the right stuff. We abuse grace and frustrate grace when we say, well, it doesn't matter if I sin. It does matter if you sin. It does matter. No, you're not going to hell if you're in Christ anymore if you sin. But it does matter because God didn't create you to do that anymore. You're a new creation. Designed never to sin again. That's hard. That's really hard. Because a lot of people can't get away from it. They're so beat up by their condemnation. Well, we're all sinners. And, 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 and people beat themselves up because they can't match up to it. Amen. You know? Well, again, you're falling from grace. Because you're forgetting that you get this power to overcome from Christ. Not in your ability to keep the law. Amen. You see, I, this is like a, this is a hard teaching, and that's why it's like more than four sessions probably. Because getting it inside you that I'm not righteous because of what Christ did in me, not because of what I did, but now that I am in Christ, I've got something to do. I've got work to do. I've got love to do. You see what I'm saying? So it all works together. Faith without works is dead, but it's not a works-based faith. It's a faith-based work. It's a faith-based life. The righteous shall walk by faith. Once we are in Christ, we start acting in love. Okay? And then when we start acting in love, we start doing some crazy stuff. Because we start loving 
Because when you're in Christ, you are forgiven. When you're forgiven, you want others to be forgiven. When you've been set free, you want others to be set free. When you have hope, you want others to have hope. Do you know that the gospel, the gospel of Christ, hinges on love? It hinges on love. The gospel of Christ hinges on love. It hinges on compassion and mercy. It hinges on compassion. The entire length of Jesus' ministry hinges on love, compassion, and mercy. And whenever you are, what compassion is, is when you're moved by love. That's what it is. When you're moved by love. Compassion moves you. Okay? Love is not true love until it's been expressed. God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See? Love always leads to self-sacrifice. Love always leads to moving to bring life into someone else's being. If something stealing that person's life is going to get you up to do something about it, this creates courage to face death and ridicule. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to blow through these verses real quick and we'll close out. Uh, in Matthew, Matthew 9.27, there's two blind men and they say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heals him. Matthew 9.36, compassion. He says he's moved with compassion and he says he saw the sheep. He saw the people out there like a sheep without a, a, a shepherd. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, Behold, the laborers are few. The harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And right after that, in chapter 10, verse 7, he takes his disciples and he sends them out to go do some work. So it says he, was, he looked at the crowd. He was moved with compassion because he said these people are without a shepherd. He says the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And then he tells them, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Freely you've received, freely you should give. That's in the same context. The same context that he, see, that he has compassion in the crowds that have no shepherd. And he says the laborers are few. And then he sends out laborers. And says, go do this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely you should give. Good. Compassion is what caused Jesus to send the twelve out. Come on. Woo. Listen, compassion is what causes us to go out. Matthew chapter 8 verse 3. The lepers come up to Jesus and say, If you're willing, would you heal us? And he says, I'm willing. And he healed them. Matthew 14, 14. It says, let's just go to that one. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Why does God heal? For compassion. The same reason why he saves us from our sins. Does everybody receive salvation? No. Does everybody receive sickness? Healing from their sickness? No. Has to do with faith. And I, that's the hardest, that is the hardest teaching because nobody wants to hear that. But it's the truth. God is always willing. We don't always have faith. Always willing. He always has compassion. Compassion is what sent him down from heaven to die on a cross. Don't tell me he's not willing. Don't tell me, if he was willing to do that, don't tell me he's not willing to heal you. You know? I've heard many times parents, they'll say, my son's sick, man, I wish I could take his place. What do you think Jesus did? My son's sick. I just wish I could take his... He's got a broken arm. I wish I could take his place. So you're telling me you love your son more than God loves your son. 
That's not possible. See, if the gospel is hinging on love, but us receiving the gospel is hinging on faith, come on, it's good. It's hard. Hard teaching. Because nobody wants to hear that they don't have faith. Nobody wants to hear they have unbelief. But Jesus looked at the disciples all the time and said, because of your unbelief. Amen. You know? And so if we're going to be true disciples, we have to die to ourselves and our self-righteousness and thinking, oh, I have faith. No, you don't. You have little faith or you have unbelief. You might have faith, but you might also have unbelief. You have to work it out. Work it out with Jesus. Because Jesus told his disciples all the time. People who were closest to Jesus had no faith. If they had no faith, but now they're raising the dead, maybe there's hope for me. Check this out. Matthew 20, verse 34. He was moved with compassions, and he touched their eyes. Okay? And he healed them. Matthew chapter 17. Uh, I think in Matthew uh, 14 also, after he had compassion on them, he healed, he fed 5,000 people. He did a miracle and fed 5,000 people out of compassion. Matthew 17. Compassion, uh, they said to him, Son, he said, Jesus, have, if, if, you, if you would have compassion or if you have mercy on my son, would you cast this demon out of him? And Jesus said, bring the boy here to me. So Jesus was always moved by compassion. He healed people out of compassion. He healed people out of mercy. So when we go pray for somebody, we don't ever need to question whether or not God has mercy or compassion for them. Amen. We just need to have faith. My, the Lord told me one time, Zach, it's not because I don't love them. It's because you don't know how much I love them. When you go pray for somebody and they don't get healed, it's not because I don't love them. It's because you don't get it, son. You don't understand. If you understood, they'd get healed every time. And I had to repent, you know. I realized, man, it's not on God's end. It's always God's will to heal. It's always God's will to save. But not everybody does get saved. And not everybody does get healed. But it's always the will of the Father to heal. It's always the will of the Father to save. That's why I don't believe that everything happens is God's will. See what I mean? The will, the word will just means desire. God desires. It says in Ezekiel, I desire that none of the wicked should perish, but they should, they should repent, turn, and live. So, God's move with compassion. The entire gospel hinges on it. So, thank you, Jesus. I'm probably going to explain that a little bit more next time. Go into a little bit more detail on the compassion. Because there's a ton of verses to go over. And I just blew through them. But if here's the thing. If we're called to be like Jesus and walk like Jesus did, that's what we're talking about, right? But walk in the way he did, then we should be walking in compassion and mercy. Amen. We should be going out and healing the sick. We, you know, of course God works through us. I'm not saying that we're like God or nothing. Okay? But even Jesus says, I don't do anything that my Father doesn't do. So Jesus was even submitting like a man and operating in faith. He was showing us how to do it. He wasn't saying that he, could, he was the only one who could do it. He was saying, this is how you do it. Let me show you. So, thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for this message. I thank you, Father, that it hits home and that, Lord, we can operate in love, true love, and that, Father, we'll operate in mercy and compassion and we'll have faith, Father, and we'll truly believe how much you loved us. And, Father, that price you paid was too high for us to just sit on it and not do anything with the gospel. You paid too high of a price with your son to die on the cross for us to just neglect this part of the gospel where we go heal sick people, you know? To neglect this part of the gospel where we get up off our butt and go preach the gospel. I thank you, Lord, that you'll stir us up to go do good works and to further the kingdom of God and to love the lost and even to love your church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignministries.com. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.